Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, Rise Church. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor here. So glad that everybody made it out today. Merry Christmas, everybody. Oh, come on. Let's do better than that. Merry Christmas, everybody. All right. So glad that you guys are here today. I know that, uh, man, the holiday season could be uh, different for everybody. And some people, it's great. And some of us, we dread it because we get to meet and hang around with people that we don't necessarily like or care much for, but we have to because they're family. And, uh, but, you know, sometimes I, I've noticed that, you know, throughout the years, sometimes holiday season could be some of the uh, most toughest time of year, not the most joyous time of year. And so we wanted to talk about that. And so uh, we start a brand new series today called Christmas Cheer. And we're going to talk about having, how to have joy this holiday season because it could be really, really hard. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to uh, Philippians chapter 1. If you uh, don't have your Bibles, we always put the verses on the screens. But uh, one of the other ways that I really highly en- encourage you to do is download the Bible app. You can get it for free on the phone. And you can search search version for the app. And then inside the app, you can search Rise Church for our notes. And we give you all of our notes for free. And they can just kind of see where we're going. And you can actually check them out throughout the week and see what my notes were like and kind of give you the answers to the test. So we're excited that everybody's here. Also, I want to welcome everybody listening to our podcast. We actually have so many people right now, hundreds of people listen to our podcast every week. And uh, you, it's because you shared it online and uh, and we've been able to get out into the kind of, kind of the community. And so, uh, man, we just love to engage with our uh, electronic website audience as well. So anyway, Philippians chapter 1, before we get there, uh, I want to give you some context to kind of the story of Philippians. If you don't know anything about the Bible or anything about church, or hey, maybe this is your first time here or first time in a church, uh, the, the Old Testament, the Bible is breaking up into two main sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Inside of the New Testament, you see primarily the life of Jesus starts off with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then it gets into some um, interesting letters written by a guy named Paul, and Paul was simply a disciple of Jesus. In fact, he used to be an enemy of the church, and then he had this great conversion moment and uh, got knocked off his horse literally got knocked off his horse and became an incredible uh, leader and really preacher and apostle for Jesus. And so he writes this letter to a church in Philippi uh, called Philippians. The letter is actually called Philippians. And so uh, he's writing this letter around 52 AD. He starts the church there in Philippi. And then in 62 AD, he writes this. It's right around there. It's kind of most Bible scholars think it's right around this time. 62 AD, he writes this letter. And this is the letter he's writing to the church. And it's primarily in, in chapters one, he's kind of telling how much he loves this church. And that's kind of the context of what we're talking about. So this is a letter from Paul to the church that he started, uh, really about uh, what it is to be a follower of Jesus. So Philippians chapter one, we'll go pick it up in verse 12. And he says this, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that um, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Now, here's what you need to know about his context as well. He's writing to you and to them, to us. He's really writing to us. He's writing to the church of Philippi. He's writing from a prison awaiting execution. So what he's talking about is he's like, he says, I want you to have a clear perspective on what's really going on because you could look at my situation and think that's pretty bad because if you and I were in prison awaiting execution, you would think that's pretty terrible. Those aren't pretty great situations, but he kind of brings a new perspective. He says, I want you to know that what's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel, that it's actually been a good thing. In verse 13, he says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So he says, not only that it's good that the gospel has gone out ahead of me around this, uh, you know, the, the area that I was at, but it's actually starting just because I'm a Christian and I'm in here and I'm holding strong to my faith and I'm staying joyful. And even in the midst of trials and crazy issues, it's actually a good thing. People are being coming to Christ just because they're seeing me not freak out. Now, you have to think about that. He, he recognizes that there are people seeing him and watching him 
what kind of a Christian he is, not just during the good times, but what kind of a Christian is he during the bad times. And I would say that's pretty much a bad time when you're about to be executed in prison. That's uh, we can pretty much go, you know, some of us, we stubbed our toe, you know, you, you had a bad day, you know, you didn't, you, you didn't get to sleep on time, you didn't have eight hours, you had seven hours. This guy's about to be killed, and he's able to say, actually, you need to hear all the good things that are happening. Verse 14, he says, and because my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord, that they're starting to follow Jesus because of, of, of me staying in chains because of Christ, and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So he goes on to talk about what he don't see from verse 14 to verse 18, he basically tells about how like he used to be the premier prelate preacher of the day. He's walking around. Paul's the man. And so since he's in prison, it's given rise to all these other preachers and pastors, and they're all getting famous because he's in prison. And so instead of him going, man, they're getting ahead because I'm not there, he's celebrating it. He's like, God is so good. It's all, and he, in fact, he goes on to verse 18. He says, but what does it matter? It doesn't matter if they're, you know, they're out there getting bigger than I am. He says, the important thing that is in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is being preach. And because of this, I rejoice. And other translations say, because of this, I'm in joy. I have, I have joy. Most of Philippians is written in a way where Paul's trying to describe and define what it's like to be a follower of Jesus and still have joy. And what it's like to be a follower of Jesus and have issues and have problems and have trials and temptations and just all the things of life and still be able to rejoice. Because here's what I know. You can't rejoice and, be joy- and not be joyful. You, you have to have a joyful spirit to be able to, be rejoic- to, be able to rejoice in, in all situations. And so with that as our backdrop, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we just love you, God. Thank you that we're here just to learn about something that you have to say to us about joy. God, even in the season where things could be tough, even in the season where things could be hard, where we're maybe struggling to hear your voice, maybe we're struggling to feel um, a moment of joy, God, I pray that you would teach us how to have godly joy in every circumstance, in every moment as we do, uh, as we go about our day throughout the holiday season. God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that you're here. Holy Spirit, be here now, God. Lord Jesus, take the words that I've prepared transform them, make them mean something to the hearts of the people. Do what only you can do in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. How many of y'all um, like shopping in here? Raise your hand if you like shopping. Come on, like if you're really proud of just being a shop person. Okay, awesome. Like, that's my people. Y'all my people, right? Y'all, y'all, that's me and you. We're together. Uh, we, we, I love to, if you ask my wife, you know, she, in our family, who's the one who loves to shop the most? It's me. I love the mall. I love stores. I love being out with people. I could shop all day long. I start in the morning. I can shut the store, the store down. In fact, my wife doesn't even like going to shopping with me because she's kind of like after a while she's over it. I love to stick around and stay. I love to people watch. I'm a little weird like that. I like that there's so many weird, unique people in the world. And I just see weird people all the time and I just can't help but stare. Sometimes I'm like, well, <laughs> you need Jesus. So anyway, I, I, I love to just shop. Um, one of the things I love to do, but one of the things about shopping is, is I don't like to just shop. I like to get a good deal. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I like a really good deal. I like to find out, like, I like to go to the register. And one of my favorite things to do is to go to the register and think this thing was a certain price and then walk up to the register and it's cheaper. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, is there no better experience in the world than walking up to a register and the person going, guess what? It's 20% more off. And I'm just like, I win. I win. And so, I, but I also have an issue, problem that comes with that is that I'll buy it and I have what's called buyer's remorse. So I will buy something, even if I win, I'll leave the store and the moment I get in the car, I regret it. But see, here's the other issue. My wife knows this specifically about me is sometimes I won't buy that thing and then I'll leave the store and guess what? I'll get in my car and what will I do? 
I'll regret it. I have buyer's remorse on both sides, y'all. And so when Black Friday comes around, when like this holiday season shopping comes around, I get anxiety being at home. I can't even, I, I can't, I can't not be stressed out because what I'm thinking about is a couple things. Number one, I'm thinking about all the deals that I'm missing out. I got FOMO, y'all. You know, you know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. I, I, I know that at one, there's some store somewhere with like 50 to 60 to 70 to 80% off something and I'm missing out on it. I don't even need it, but I, I got to know that I went to that store and I had an opportunity to buy it. And so what I do, this is weird. I mean, this is just my confession time, so I don't have, I'm going to preach something soon, but I'm just confessing. So, but what I do is I go get the, the ads for Black Friday, and then I put them all out from the newspaper, and I just flip through the ads, and it makes me feel better because I feel like I know where the deals are. And so um, one of the things I used to do is I used to go to Black Friday. I'm not allowed to go anymore. My wife won't let me. But anyway, I, I, I used to go to Black Friday shopping, and so I, would, I, one, I remember one time it was me and my wife. I talked her into it. You know, we were like newlyweds. I'm like, this is so great. And I be, first became a pastor, and I'm like happy. And we're in the line, and it's midnight. This was back before there was Black, you know, Black Friday turned into really all-day shopping. Thursday. You know, it's like now there's really no Black Friday. It's all shopping all weekend, all, all every day. And, uh, but one before it used to be like at midnight, they were like, they would open the stores at midnight, you know? And so you had to stay up. So we'd eat turkey all day and then we'd take a nap and then we'd get a Starbucks and we'd go midnight. And so I'm waiting in line at, at uh, a really big store. I don't want to drop the name because, you know, sometimes it makes people weird. You know, it just, it rhymes with uh, Yargit, you know? So like, it's like, so I'm in this line and, and we're, we're waiting in this and it was outside. So they shut the door, you know, the door was one you couldn't get in and we're in this real long line. And, and I was excited before I got there, but then I got there and I don't know if you've ever been around a bunch of people who are like excited about something. When you're in a crowd of people, there's an energy, right? Like that's why y'all are together. Like there's an energy. We come in the church. It's something to being around the crowd. So I'm there and I'm like, this is, this is amazing. These are my people right here. The people that wake up, that stay up at midnight to go shopping for things we don't need, we don't have the money for. Y'all are my people. So I'm like, let's go. So I'm around and I'm excited. I'm taking pictures and posting on social media. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. And then I start looking around and people are like looking at maps on like how to get to where they're going to get to in the target space. And I'm like, where did you get that map? I want that map. And so I'm trying, I'm looking at the map. I'm talking to people I don't even know. I'm like, are we going to go do this? It's going to be awesome. And I'm excited. And so they open the doors and I'm telling you, it was on like Donkey Kong. It was like, <laughs> let's go. And then we're running through it. And then like I get in and then I realize for a moment, I'm a pastor. <laughs> and I was like, so I stopped. I did the thing. I stopped and I just was, you know, I just, I'm, I'm a pastor. Okay. I'm a, I'm a pastor. So I'm walking around and, you know, and I'm looking around and I'm just trying to, just trying to experience it. I'm just taking it all in. And people are throwing, you know, things and kids are being tossed and old ladies are punching people. And it was awesome. And I'm just like, man, and, you know, and then eventually it started to get to me a little bit. And I was like, you know, and I started feeling like judgmental. You know, when you're like a part of something and you step back from it for a moment, it kind of gives you perspective. And I'm like, you know what? This is just gross. This is just American consumerism. And I just start in my mind. I'm like, this is just wrong. You don't, you know, you don't need that. And I'm walking around, I'm judging people and I'm pointing fingers. And I'm like, you don't, you, and I, I'm seeing like, and I'm, like, I'm walking around and then just like people in our church. And I'm like, I know you, you better be in church on Sunday. You need it. And then, and then all of a sudden I see some of our church staff walking by. There's pastors over there kicking little kids over. I'm like, what are you doing? And I'm just judging people. And then I walked by, I'm not kidding you. This is, if I'm lying, I'm dying. I walked by this big bin and it was, uh, they were selling these like 
um, scarf-looking thingies for a dollar. Now, I have a theory in my life. Y'all might not agree with this, but if anything is a dollar, you buy it. And so I literally, I'm like, I, I, I don't really even need a scarf, but I'm going to grab That's a good deal. So I start grabbing a scarf, and then I see this TV over here. I don't need a TV. I got like 12 TVs, but that's a good deal. So I grabbed that TV. Before you know it, I grabbed a cart, and I'm walking around. And before you knew it, I was the one pushing people over and running things. I was trying to get stuff, and, and, and I just didn't realize for a moment there that what, turned, what, was, what was a simple act of just wanting to go out and be with people, all of a sudden my anxiety and stress level was at an all-time high, and I walked out of there with a ton of stuff that y'all know I don't even, I don't even have any of that stuff anymore. You know what I'm talking, like y'all, y'all ever bought something and you bought it on your credit card and you're paying on it and it's broke, you don't even use it anymore, but you're still paying. You know what I'm saying? Chase is glad you did that, you made that decision. And I was thinking about that the other day, I'm like, man, the Christmas time of year, you know, they have that thing like it's supposed to be the most joyful time of year. And yet, our culture at times could turn are the most joyful time of year into just in a moment before you know it. Now you're stressed and you have anxiety and you can't handle it and you're fearful and your, your, your stress turns to anxiety and your anxiety turns to fear and fear turns to depression. And before you know it, all the good things that you used to remember growing up inside of, inside of your family life, you don't even, you, don't, you, you regret this time of year instead of look forward to it. And it was never meant to be like that. You know, we were never, it was never, the holiday season was supposed to be a time where families come together, where you could go and meet people and see people you don't see on a regular basis. And now you're stressed because your, your aunt's coming over and your mom's going to come over and ask you, how come you don't have no, she don't have no grandbabies. And you, you know, you're going to have the conversation about, you know, your son and how you need to discipline your son some more. And it's all these little things that all these weird moments happen inside of our family. And the truth is, is that if we're not careful, it's easy for us to make sure that this season is not Christmas cheer, but Christmas is like sadness, and there's no joy. And, and it could be your family, it could be your job, you're stressed out, you're working a lot so you can have enough money to get more you know, presents, or you're trying to make sure your kids are, are, are doing well, or your kids are... And there's, a, there's so many reasons to not be joyful. But, but Paul shows us in so many ways inside of um, the next four weeks, we're going to talk about really Philippians. We're really looking at the book of Philippians, this, this letter that Paul wrote over the next four weeks, and he kind of outlines really how we can find joy in this, in this world. But chapter one, really Paul showing us the big, maybe the biggest lesson about joy is that it's not found in perfect circumstances. Now think about that for a minute, because you and I would might agree with that statement, but we don't live that statement, because you and I are only joyful when good things happen. But Paul winds up saying that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. His perspective was, I will be joyful even though I'm in prison. I will be joyful even though bad things are happening. I will be joyful even though my plans didn't go the way I thought that they should and would go. That even though my perfect circumstances in my eyes didn't come about, I'm still going to be joyful to know that you can have joy in perfect circumstances. The funny thing about perfect circumstances is that really they don't exist. Have you ever noticed that? You and I probably wouldn't notice a perfect circumstance if it hit us right in the face. You and I wouldn't be able to define it because what might be perfect for one situation would make something else completely wrong. And if you live your life, hear me now, if you live your life waiting for the perfect season where your kids are all healthy, where you're not fighting with your spouse, 
where you enjoy your job, where you got enough money in the bank, where you're not sick or someone you know is sick, or your boss is nice to you finally, and you got all of the ingredients to make this perfect cake of joy, if you wait for that to have joy in your life, you're going to be waiting a long time. And some of us go through the holiday season waiting for that. You don't even think like, might not even think intentional like that, but we do that on accident. Where we wait for all the perfect things to line up, and then when something bad happens, you, you freak out and you have the anxiety moment and joy leaves you simply because your perfect circumstances didn't happen the way, things didn't happen the way that you wanted to. I love the way uh, Ecclesiastes says it in chapter 11. He says that farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. Another, another translation there, that he who waits for perfect circumstances never gets anything done. They, they, you, if you're waiting for, for there to be an open heaven moment on this earth, you might be waiting a whole long time. And so what's funny is a lot of us say like, well, when a heaven happens, then I'll be happy. Like when heaven happens, when God just does everything I want him to do right when, he, when I want him to do it, then I'm going to be good. I'll have some joy in my life. But I don't know if you know this or not. And if you're a Christian in here, you probably know this. And if you're not a Christian in here, you'll find this out about God if you start to walk with him is that he's kind of ornery sometimes. He doesn't do the things that you want him to do right when you want him to do it. He does, he's not like a, a cosmic vending machine where we put our faith in, we pull the trigger and then let's go. Come on, God. We, we, we pressed all the buttons. You're supposed to be, you're supposed to do what I told you to do. And God's like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be your God, not your, your slot machine. Like, I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to, I'm thought, I, thought you, I thought you just wanted me, you want my stuff? And so if we're not careful, we can live our life in wait, waiting for the perfect condition. Now, why won't a perfect condition happen? You, well, you need to know this, that you are in a battle. That Christians by nature, if you're not a Christian in here, well, hey, congratulations, you're not, you're not on, on the devil's hit list yet. But when you walk into a relationship with Jesus, you and I are called to be in a spiritual battle. Ephesians chapter 6 says that, that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, spirits. There's, there is a battle going on that you and I might not be able to see physically, but spiritually, there's someone against you. And then if we're not careful as churches, sometimes we can say, hey, here's the magic pill of salvation. Your life will be perfect. And the truth is, your salvation is perfect. Your heaven's perfect. Your eternity is right. You are now made right in the eyes of God for your salvation, your eternity. But now, guess what? You are now, you basically have told the enemy, hey, guess what? I'm not with you anymore. And when you say you're not with him, it, but you're with God. And so when you ain't, you're with God and you ain't with him, guess what he's going to do? He ain't going to send you a care package. He's not going to bless you. He's trying to take you out. He's not trying to just hurt you. He's trying to kill you. And that you are in a definite battle. So when bad things happen, you need to realize, wow, I don't live in, I'm not in heaven. We're not in heaven yet. Like we're not there yet. The, the, streets, the, the streets outside aren't made paved of gold. I, I saw them. There ain't. I checked. So we're not in in. In heaven, therefore, we're in a battle and that you might not ever have the perfect circumstance. And if you think about joy in a way of only having joy with perfect circumstances, you'll never have joy. Right. And some of us go through many, many years going through seasons like this going, I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to be happy. 
things are going to be like this, and then dad's going to come over, and then uncle's going to come over, and then my boss is going to say this, and our kids are sick again, and my wife's mad at me again, and my husband's crazy. How come he don't pick up the garbage, and how come my kids don't do it? And you're going to look at all the things, and you're going to see all the reasons, and you're going to, guess what? You're going to look for every reason to not be joyful, and you're going to find it. And you're going to find it. I remember um, when I first, and I was saved when I was 12 years old, and I remember when I got saved, I was given just a word of God, just, you know, and if you're not a Christian in here, just, man, just had a man of God as a pastor in my life, and he, he just spoke a word to me, just a message to me by what we believe is the Holy Spirit just speaking a special message to me. And he said that, son, one day you will lead a great flock. I remember that when I was 12 years old. And, and it's taken over two decades to get me to where we finally plant this incredible church that we call Rise, that hopefully you call home. And I remember before I set out on the immediate time frame to plant this church that I had this thought that if I just leave my church, the last place that I was at, right, that I could come into a situation like this and I would have, it might sound ignorant, but I thought I could have no problems if I left right. And I do believe that the way you leave is how you start. There's a principle into that and there's an honor in that. And I honored the men of God that I left. And I honored the church that I left. And I came here and I did everything. Listen to me, church. I did everything right and above board. But, but, but hear me. Then I walked into San Antonio and I'll never forget the day I got here. It was one issue after the other. The day I got here, I pulled into my driveway. My mom called me and said that she had cancer. I hadn't even got into my home, new home yet. The day I got here. The next day, my kids all got like an incredibly like weird sickness and flu. They were sick for like a week. The week, the day after that, the house I sold in St. Louis fell through the, at the signing table. We did a digital sign and they, the last minute they walked away. The day after that, my wife, I wound up leaving. We were going to a conference. I left and I found out later my wife called me. She didn't actually tell me why I was on a conference. I, was, I left for a conference, but the, uh, a gas main broke inside of our house. A gas thing went. She literally had to get out of the house and we had to turn off the gas. The fire department, everybody's coming in. That was the fourth day there, y'all. The fifth day there, uh, we, we had... Um, uh, we had like basically something come up with our in our finances where we had a gigantic thousands of dollars had to leave our account. We didn't have thousands of dollars out of nowhere. And then I just started a five-month journey of depression. Clinical. I was going to a counselor, Christian, Christian counselor, Christian psychologist, Christian everything, just going through it, just trying to work it out. And I'm like, in that moment going, God, I thought this was your, this was your idea. What happened? I thought you were, I thought this was like all going to work out. Like I thought there was going to be no issue. What, what are we, what, how can I be joyful when everything is going wrong? And, and you know, you, in the moment, it's easy to get caught and lost in all the things that are happening to you. And I just shared with you a few things I think you guys can handle. <laughs> Some things I can't say because you like, man, how is he alive? Because it's true. But I had to recognize I, 
I just, I just threw it down against the enemy. Like, I just said, hey, all that stuff you're working on in San Antonio, guess what? You just got a new problem to deal with. And then I'm, like, confused, like, that he's mad and things are going wrong, you know? <laughs> and the Bible says so much that he rules this world right now. Like, God, God allowed it. God said, all right, you can have, you, all right, you can go ahead. Go ahead. For just a little bit, you're going to have dominion over this world. You, just for a little bit. Right, go ahead. See, do, do, it, do your worst, but I'm coming back. Do, do, just, do, just, just do your worst, but I'm coming back. And then, and then I fast forward to, 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 to today. And, 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 and what's interesting is that this church has been nothing short of a miracle from the beginning. It's like everything that could have happened and went wrong in this season happened. And yet we have blown every statistic out of the water. Every standard that you would measure in anywhere inside the country for planting churches, we have not, not just beaten, obliterated. Y'all shouldn't be here. This church shouldn't be up. We shouldn't have baptized 16 people last weekend. There shouldn't have been 101 decisions since the launch of our church for Christ. There shouldn't be any of that. And, and, and the, the issue is that if I would look at in that moment to go, God, I can't be joyful. God, I don't know what's going on. God, I don't see what you're doing. I have to stop. Some of us in the midst of hell, stop. And then you're stuck yeah. in hell. Yeah. My pastor told me, he said, hey, if you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep going. Yeah. Y'all don't get out of that. Yeah. You, you better not stop. You better not stop. Sometimes when bad things are happening, it's not always an indicator that you're doing the wrong thing. It could be the indicator you're doing the exactly right thing. You're doing the godly thing. You're doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing. But we need to know that it's not if battles come, it's when, right? Bible talks about that. The Bible is so clear that like not if, but when. James actually says this. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when, when troubles come, James is another book in the Bible and he's talking and he says, when troubles come your way, not if, not if, when, they cover, consider it an opportunity for what? For what? This is great. Everybody say this to me. Say, great joy. Come on, say it with me one more time. Say, it. great joy. That when you have issues, consider an opportunity for great joy because you know, you know, you, you know, you know, you you're a Christian. You know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has to grow. So let it grow for when in your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. That godly God perspective, when you have issues, for you to have joy in all your issues and all of your problems, godly perspective is needed on your problems. And godly perspective says that if you're going through issues right now, know that there is a purpose to it. Now, let me bring a caveat to that. Not everybody who goes through problems are going to get something from it. Your perspective on how seeing your problem will allow you to get something from it. That's what he's saying. He's saying, look at your problem the way that God looks at your problem, that it's perfecting your faith so that one day you will lack, need nothing, that you will, you will be full and complete, not because you've got everything you want, but because you have everything you need. Amen. Found in God. So the conclusion may be this for us as a Christian. This should be something that we need to know and put on our hearts. Maybe if you're taking notes, write this down. This is happiness, right? So for us, happiness is what happens to me, right? It happens to me. Joy is what happens through me. Okay, so God 
if you're for me and not against me, that no matter what, if I'm a follower of Jesus, I can no longer play the victim card. Come on. Come on. That's an easy card. Everybody on Facebook right now wants you to play that card. You're a victim. I can't believe they did it to you. Did they? And isn't it interesting how something bad happens to you? There's always a chorus of people to walk up to you and go, Oh, I'm so sorry. Why would they do that? I'm hurt for you. And you, it's like, and before you know it, you, you weren't even that upset about it, and they got you more upset. You, you walked up, you're like, man, it kind of treated me wag. And they're like, you can't believe I did that to you. And you're like, I know. And before you know it, you're, they, they hijacked your joy. They stole it. You, know, you run those people out of your life. Can I just tell you, don't, don't be around people like that. Be, be real subjective on who you give your life to. And you, you share your stuff with, man. Don't give, nobody, don't give nobody else like an opportunity to make you matter than you need to be. Especially on like Facebook and social media and you get on stuff and you're like Instagram and you're like, man, I should be more angry about this. And I'm, I'm, am I, I will read stuff sometimes from my, some of my friends and I just laugh because I'm like, they're so mad about something. It doesn't even matter. And so I'm not even talking about like, like a hot button political issue. It could be like, hey, I went through Chick-fil-A and they took two minutes instead of three. It's like, I don't understand. They got you your food faster than you would have ever gotten anywhere else. And I'm mad about it. I'm going to start a blog and now I'm protesting and I won't be. I'm like, good, don't go. The lines are too long anyway. <laughs> but if we don't, have, we don't have the ability to have godly joy, in, in it, joy is not the absence of trial in your life. Joy is the presence of God in your life during your trial. And, and, and that's like, you know, that's a great bumper sticker. But, but when you're going through something, you really got to remember that. You really got to remember that. Two things real quick as I wrap up. Two things joy is found in. Two things joy is found in. What I think Paul kind of outlines for us. I thought it was brilliant. To me, it's brilliant. He says this, he says in verse 21, he says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So he's saying, I, you know, if I live for God, that's what I'm gaining something. He says, verse 22 says, if I'm going on to live in the body, this will mean fruitful labor to me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. This is the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ. I want to be in the presence of God, which is better by far, which you and I would agree, that's way better than me being sick, than me having issues, than me going through problems. I'd rather be with God. Verse 24 says, but it is more necessary for me, for you, for you, for the world, that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue to do the progress with great joy and faith. Number one is this, is that the two things that are found in joy, the first thing that's found in joy is the presence of God. I desire to depart and be with Christ. Paul recognizes Psalm 16, verse 11. In fact, he probably already knew this because he was a credible Pharisee. He knew most of the Torah. He knew most of the Old Testament anyway. So he probably knew this, but the Bible says in Psalms chapter 16, verse 11, it says, is in your presence is fullness of what? Joy in your presence is fullness of joy that for us in our life to access the joy that God wants in our life, it's not for us to find and try to chase down every circumstance and make everything right. Your kids are going to get sick. You're going to fight with your spouse. Your boss is going to be crazy sometimes to my staff. There's always going to have issues in your life. You're going to have some circumstances that are coming up to you. And the way you have joy in it is not trying to remove bad things, but it's to put Jesus in them. 
presence of God, there's no replacement. The fullness of joy is found in the presence of God. So practically, because some of us in here, like you might be saved since Moses, or maybe you haven't met Jesus at all. Practically, some of us don't know how to do that. And to you, the presence of God is found maybe in the way your church used to do things. Or maybe something that your grandma used to say. Or what your mama taught you. Hey, mama didn't have it all complete. And so there's some things that you need to know about the accessing the presence of God that's different than, than, I'll give an example, worship. Let's just talk about music. Let's just talk about music. Some of us in here, we completely walk over worship. Like it's just something that happens. It's the appetizer before the main course when pastor gets up and speaks. I'm the pastor and I don't look at it like that. The worship and worship music and Christian music, and I'm not necessarily talking about Christian radio and having like pop Christian music. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a moment in time where you listen to music that is designed to help you worship God. And there's some times in our life where, I'm just telling you, in my life, I could not have made it through if I didn't have the ability to pick up uh, my, my phone and get on... Put out and play some music and some worship music about singing about God and the goodness of God. There's something about music that incites emotion, that releases endorphins in our minds and our brains. It does something for us and it picks our faith up and the presence of God can be accessed through music in a way you never might have probably understood and you don't do it because you just think it only happens on Sunday or you might not be a music guy. I don't care if you're a music person. You need to put on some worship music at home. You need to be able to put it on. Instead of listening to talk radio, turn on Christian music. Turn on some worship. I'm not saying I never listen to other music. Don't hear me. That's not what I'm saying. Don't get legalistic about it. How much, pastor? How much time? Should I do five minutes or ten minutes? Okay, Pharisee. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about why don't you try one song when you're going through something, turn on a worship music. Here's an idea. When you're fighting with your wife, say, can we just pause for a minute? Let me go and just listen to worship for just a minute. I want to go listen to one song, get my mind right. That might sound crazy to you. That might sound like, oh, that's, that sounds like Christian silly stuff. No, that sounds like I'm going to make it in my marriage stuff. And Because you want to be able to access God and have him be a presence in your life. I'm going to make it easy for you as your pastor. You got, okay, you get ready? I'm going to just make it easy for you. This is just easy. Simple. Easy. Everybody say easy. All right, the easy button. Okay, listen. Go to our website this week or go to our social media page. And I, we will literally make a play. We made a playlist of worship music. Like, I don't know what to listen to. What was that song you all played? We'll make you, we made you a playlist of a bunch of songs that you literally just click a link, you follow, press play. I'm trying to make it as simple and as easy. More, yes, easier than me handing out CDs. Because if I give you a CD, you just walk out and throw it out. And some of you don't even know what a CD is. So anyway, I'm just telling you, this is a link that you can press. So you can just get involved. And then let me just say this as well. Try different types of worship music. There is no perfect worship music. Well, gospel is better than modern. And modern is better than gospel. And then there's the hymns. Pastor, what up with the hymns? Just try whatever works. How about that? And get into the presence of God. Um, another easy way to get in the presence of God, read your Bible in a way that's different. You know, one of the things I like about uh, the YouVersion Bible app that we use for our notes is you can read a Bible app plan, like a Bible plan, like a reading plan. You can read it with your friends. So you can guys stay accountable and it's connected to you and you can put little things on it. I'm telling you, YouVersion Bible. Find new ways. What I'm saying is, is get creative with trying to be in your presence of God. It's not just you getting on your knees and going to your prayer closet. I've never had a prayer closet. That sounded weird to me. But you might need a prayer closet, but I'm saying expand out to something different. 
Get into the presence of God. It's found. Your joy will be found there. And the second thing is, as I wrap it up, it's found in the purpose of God. If I am going to go and live in the body, he says, this will mean fruitful labor for me. If you are in a joyless season right now, it could be because you don't have your hand to purpose. Not your purpose. To purpose. Specifically, God's purpose. I meet so many young guys all the time. It's like, Pastor, I want to do this. I got these dreams. I got this. I want to do this. And I got to want to do this. And I want God to help me fulfill my purpose. Listen, you fulfill the purpose of God in your life, and God will help you fulfill your purpose. You don't need me to help you fulfill your purpose. You don't even need God. You don't need to help God to help you fulfill your purpose. God wants you to fulfill your purpose more than you want you to fulfill your purpose. I promise you that. And sometimes we get caught in this, like, this, this, like, race you see other guys in your work. You see other guys around you. You're like walking and doing this. You see that. And you see all these people doing all these things, which is not really true. Because most of the time you see it is on Facebook. And remember, they took 17 pictures to put that picture up there. Want to know how I know? Because I took 18 pictures to put my picture up there. <laughs> but, but again, it could be your, your hand's not to purpose. It could be that you, you, you might have the presence of God without the purpose of God. Remember, Paul said it's the two. It's the presence and it's the purpose. It's if you're caught in a depression mode, if you're caught in a sadness, if you're caught in a feeling of fear, anxiety, stress, torment, it could be that you haven't put your hand to purpose. It could be, could be, could be that you're looking too much at you and not enough at others. The point of the purpose of God was always to keep your hand off of you and on the plow. On the ladder, put, your hand, put a hammer in your hand. Go do something. Go get something done for God. You know the reason why we have rise teams here, serve teams here, the reason people come and serve? It's not because I, I don't, I, you know, I, 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 I could do it myself. It, it's because when I, if you're a rise team member in here, just do me a favor, stand up real quick. Just stand up, just stand up. If you're rise, if you serve at this church, right, serve, serve, just stand up. Okay, but here's, here's, here's the great part. Stay standing. I know it's awkward. It's weird. It's okay. Just, just listen. Listen. Every single one of these people have their hand towards purpose right now. And every, I know every one of them by name. I know every one of them. I've seen every one of them. And something changed when they put their hand to purpose. Their, their look changed. Why? Was it because I'm good? No. Is it because this church is great? No. It's because... When you put your hand to purpose with God, something inside of you changes. You didn't, the reason you're a good team is because you ain't looking at yourself. You're looking at the world that you can reach. You can sit. You can sit down. Maybe the best thing you could do for yourself in this season is find a way to get connected to your local church. We have a, a, a class today. We're starting today. In fact, oh, great timing. Next steps today is class step one today. You don't even have to sign up. Isn't that awesome? You don't have to sign up. You can walk right over. We feed you. We keep your kids. I'd, I'd, I'd just, just so you don't have to pick up your kids, I'd stay for another hour. <laughs> Some of y'all need that. <laughs> but, but, but listen, listen. You're not signing up to be a servant. You're signing up to be a family member and find a purpose in what you do. Nobody, I've never met anybody who volunteered at a church and said, man, I was, my life was terrible after I started serving. And after I started giving my life to God, my life's just been terrible. No one says that. You want to know why? Because it doesn't happen. 
because you get your eyes off of you. It does something for your heart and your mind. Your, that's why the giving spirit of the holidays is about give, be less of you, less of me, less of me. It's not so that it's so that everybody's blessed, but it also blesses you. Finding the purpose of God, being evangelist, being a generous person. Let me just say this. One of the best ways you can actually get yourself out of a depression and find some joy is being generous. Find a way to bless someone. It doesn't always mean money. It could be have somebody over at your house. Bless someone with your time. Bless someone with your, with your wisdom. Bless someone with your knowledge. Take advantage of a season of life. If you're feeling, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling like you don't have no joy, if you feel like you, you've missed out on what this joy thing is, find a way to be generous with someone. Let go of what God has given you. Let go of what God has given you. Be a conduit of his blessing, not just a receiver. I think, and I'm done, I, I, I think my goal today was just, just, if you can just hear me, take an opportunity today, this week, this month, to be in the presence of God, whether that's you getting around some worship music, maybe it's getting around just reading the Bible in a different way, maybe it's just getting alone with God and taking some time to get away with Him. Get into the presence of God. Your joy will be found there. Second piece of that that Paul talks to us about is really is, is just the purpose of God. Is making sure that you're not just living this life for you. Make sure you're not just getting up to work for you. Make sure you don't just walk around for you. That you are doing something and putting your hand to purpose because it's purpose that joy is found. You find the presence, you find the purpose, you're going to find the joy. At least that's what Paul says. Let's pray. Father, we just love you, God. Lord, I thank you that today you taught us maybe a, an easy, simple way for us to find joy in this season. It's not as elusive as, as the world might make it. And even though that there seems to be a higher level of depression, a higher level of sadness, a higher level of anxiety, a higher level of stress, that even in the midst of our current culture, God, you right now can take us to a whole nother level. And I pray that you would give us the joy, give us an ability to have the peace the presence, the joy of God through your presence and through your purpose. God, our circumstances will never be perfect, but you are. And as we put you into our world, you get bigger and our problems get smaller. 